You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Everything is falling apart around us, but that is okay. We have each other. Yeah. I'm Jake. I got Clint. I got Paul. Everything is kind of working. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to talk about, let's see. Out of the frying pan into the fire. So it's coming near Halloween at this point. So I believe we are going to talk mostly about spooky things, I believe, was our uh, – We're going to talk about spooky things, but we're going to take a hot five minutes to talk about Stranger Things. And how none of you have seen it. Excuse you. I watched some of it with you just the other day. I know. To my shame, I've not seen much of Stranger Things outside of episode one. Um, although you need to finish episode one. Season one. Or season one. Yeah, yeah no, I know. You need to finish season one. You both, I got our Halloween costumes to finish. You. That's what I'm going to do. Very fair. Um, both of you need to get up on that. So... There's just only so much time in a day, you know? Well, okay. It's just a phenomenal show, and they make D&D references all the time. It's a love letter to the 80s, and D&D is apparently a very big part of the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's a huge part of the of 80s. Of course. None uh, of us were there, though. Let's not forget the t- satanic panic that I was not alive to witness. I wish I would have been around for that. Throwing back to episode one with our with our interview there. Yeah. So. Stranger Things. Stranger. What about it has inspired you to uh, talk about it on the show? Oh, no. I mean, other than the fact that it's a complete every five episodes, there's a D&D reference out of nowhere. And the fact that they will just you know, occasionally like they, they'll take something they don't understand and then they'll just put it to D&D terms because it's a bunch of teenagers from yeah. Indiana who, you know, nowhere. super yeah, supernatural things are happening and they don't know how to explain it. So they're just like, uh, it, it, it acts like uh, it's acting like uh, like a this from the books. And yeah, they even like somebody in season two, no spoilers, but someone just calls them out on that. They're like, that makes no sense. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh, the Demogorgon, I believe, is the main monster of the first season. So, Well, it's just called the Demogorgon. Well, it's yeah. not – Demogorgon is it a person. It doesn't have two heads. So, well, it doesn't have two heads. Yeah. Or Demon tentacle. Or tentacle. Things. Yeah, tentacle arms or really just all got a, of the – Just got a head that opens like a flower or you something. You know, all, all the worst parts of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and it no, has nine we, mouths and ten so, heads. No, but we are going to take a hot second to talk about my favorite character from the show, Steve. Steve the Jock. Steve the Steve has the most beautiful flow that any man can have on the top of their head. A phenomenal haircut. He also is very respectful to women and occasionally whoops more ass like he whoops ass above his pay grade. <laughs> Some teenage kid. Uh, fighting monsters with, a, I believe it was a baseball bat with a yes, nail in it. Yes, yes. As you've heard me shout about in the car, uh, this man has a baseball bat with spikes through it, with nails driven through the bat, and this needs to be an item in the game immediately. And by it's going to be an item in my game immediately. It's Steve's baseball bat. It gives anybody who picks it up two levels in fighter immediately. <laughs> No, because mm-hmm. Steve – no, Steve exists in this wacky little world where he is a jock, yet everybody else in town is tougher than him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, like, if he fought one of the 12-year-olds without his bat, they would murk him mercilessly. So he's like the the bully in the new Spider-Man homecoming that's oh, supposed yeah. to be bullying Peter Parker even though he looks like a total dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although low-key, too, that's Flash Thompson. 
Um, He's and it, super it, ancient. That's like dude, back to the sixties. No, like, no, if they do, no, if they do the new stuff with Flash Thompson, though, do you know how sweet that is? Not to get off on a tangent too hard, like. Flash Thompson goes to war, loses his legs, and gets the Venom suit from the U.S. government. And I mean, like, that would be tight and everything, but if I was Spider-Man and he's going, y'all say penis, when I say penis, you say Parker, I just showed up in my Spider-Man suit and, like, got to kick in some ass. Well, you know, Peter Parker's a huge nerd, but uh, we're, we're getting anyway, off topic. Anyway, sorry. Uh, why not, so why two levels of fight, do you think, rather than just fighter proficiencies and fighter uh like second level fighter abilities like the style mastery with great oh it's weapon. it's very simple because without the baseball bat in the television show Steven is easy pickings mm. he throws punches horribly um he has no sense of self preservation he sits there and you know like he doesn't try to block he just kind of presents his face and throws wild haymakers but you put this spiked bat in this man's hand oh my god <laughs> He has become a master of martial combat. He dodges. He weaves. He swings it around with dramatic flair. He becomes a remarkably talented combatant only when he has his baseball bat. So this bat is basically his Popeye spinach. Yeah. Not only that, it gives him – he becomes tougher when he's holding it. He becomes – like increase in constitution. Yeah, he's got added con stats. He's more dexterous. He his just hit be- dice goes up to D10. This is a man who – uh, light spoiler um, gets knocked out by a dinner plate at some point. This is also the same man who gets hey, Corelware is really tough. The only thing that can I mean, break it is yeah. itself. Well, I guess my my question is as a new DM, like if if you were to introduce this item into the game and it were to grant you just two levels in uh, fighter in this case, like yeah. I, I guess you could use this this type of. System. This is a more general question for if you have an item that grants you levels in something, like how would that work as far as like say let's say he's level two, right? And he gets this bat and it adds two levels to fighter. That makes him at level four. That gives him a skill bonus. Do you give him those skill points no, too, uh, or do you just give him the abilities that would come along with fighter at that level? I think we can rip from third edition, I believe second edition, negative levels where, no, you don't get any of those bonuses. Just you count as higher level for proficiency. You count as higher level for uh, direct attributes, and you add the average of their hit dice to your level, uh, but you don't get anything else. You don't get like the skill – you don't get the uh, – What's the word? The stat bonuses because you lose it all when you drop the bat. So it's not like when you break the threshold of being able to gain an extra attack as a fighter that you would actually gain that extra attack if you're wielding this bat. Actually, I'm not sure on that one. You might get that, the class I, features. But the thing is when you lose them, there's the question of uh, do you lose the hit points that you would have gained through the bat first? So if you've lost, say, 20 hit points, you've got till as a fighter. When you drop it, do you just drop immediately into negatives because you don't have those hit points anymore? No, I would use it as temporary hit points first of all yeah. because, again – in this show, Steve, without a bat, really cool dude, tries his hardest, takes good care of kids, you know, definitely a lover, not a fighter, with the bat becomes a force of destruction. Well, uh, I'm afraid I don't have anything more to say than that, given that my mic seems to be off. Uh, I'm sorry, can we get to the next topic here? Uh, no. No, I mean... <laughs> You got, you got nothing more to add on bitch and baseball bat? Cut off. Uh, well, I mean, a baseball bat's a great weapon and all, but at the end of the day, it's a kind of a spiked club, isn't it? Yes. Like, it's not like a long sword. So, or yeah, I mean, it, at least with me, that's exactly what my mind went to. I would have used, like, the damage die for uh, a club and then maybe done, like, plus one or two. And then 
you add those two levels and then that's where that's where my question is is I feel like there's a gray area there in an item granting levels in something at least in fifth edition. Oh, because it's just it's the second he puts the bat away, he's no longer the fighter. Well, yeah. He doesn't get to keep the levels. Mm-hmm. This is something you give to a commoner, right? And they become a superhero. This is something that you give to a regular character and suddenly they've got their whole they've got their whole existence figured out. Well, I mean, it gives them class levels and all, but at the end of the day, until they put away the bat. It's like yeah. Thor's hammer. It's like classic Thor from Marvel Comics where he is Donald Blake, you know, Steve is just Kind of wimpy Steve until he grabs a baseball bat. And th- I mean, there's not a dramatic lightning bolt or anything that comes down from the heavens. He just grabs his bat and he's just like, no, hang on. I'm fucking Steve. And if he gets, gets disarmed, what happens? Can he be disarmed of the bat? Yes, he can very easily because it's a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like there's a baseball, lot of grip or anything on the handle. Baseball bats aren't exactly easy to grab with just one hand. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, baseball players do it when they're. You know, done swinging, but you do use two hands for it. That's in the process of it flying out of their hands. So. True. Yeah, that's uh, for like the the bat flips. It's true. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly a one handed weapon, I suppose. No, I just think it would be like a very. It, you would never use it as a serious item, but it would be a a fun joke item. A bit mean? of a yeah, a bit of a fun joke item. Like there's, you know, say the party's low level. They've been antagonizing a certain NPC at the bar or whatever. You know, he's been pushed around you know the party just for whatever reason because parties can be very cruel out of nowhere they decide to mercilessly pick on this one npc that you gifted a name you he mattered enough to have a name i mean yeah that's usually the point when um somebody does something really stupid uh npcs who and guess what have a name tend to this have- npc went and got his bat <laughs> and now he's a second level fighter I saw a great vine once of someone trying to rob a convenience store and the man behind the counter pulls a damn scimitar out from under the <laughs> counter. I imagine that is the sort of scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> without yeah, without the weapon, they are nothing. But with this spike baseball bat. <laughs> well, hell no. no. But where are we? So the spike baseball bat, two levels of fighter. Uh, obviously, you need to use rules to accommodate the temporary hit points, temporary proficiency bonus, and even the extra attack if they're uh, raised to above fifth level for that. Uh, heck, what happens if you raise them from ninth level to eleventh level with the baseball bat? Do you get three attacks? No, I would like. I would never. I, this would never fall into the hands of a person with actual character levels, <laughs> except for maybe once as just like a hilarious thing. It, you know, the way I would do it would be again as much as Stranger Things is a lot of eighties like touchstones. Uh, it'd be one of those things like where the person gets the bat and they're like, "Wait, why didn't I get fighter levels? Because it was inside of him the whole time. He just needed the bat." <laughs> It was you. It was you all along. Yeah, it was Steve the whole time. He just needs the bat to you bring out. This, you just have this random D&D feel-good story with this character of just like they thought that they were doing everything because of the bat. Meanwhile, it was actually in their character It was all, all them the whole time. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so aside from the baseball bat, what else about Stranger Things has impelled you to bring this as the main topic of discussion for this first Well, I mean if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like the, the first couple of episodes, within the first couple of episodes, it just shows them playing D&D. Yeah, it has been a gateway to our hobby. It's I mean, been a yeah. very high. Here's the thing, like okay. a- ET before it, mm, ET a little bit, but a you know satanic panic happened, so that kind of mitigated. But I'm just going to talk. I'm going to talk nerd culture in general, right? Because I mean, D and D is our primary focus. But we, well, no, we still exist in the realms of RPGs and you know tabletop games and stuff. Um, Harry Potter. <laughs> 
when Harry Potter came out, I was at the perfect age that I aged along with Harry as the books were released. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, the, we're the same age. And he started fourth year when we started fourth grade. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. I, admittedly, at some point, I assume the Harry Potter books outpaced you. Presumably on the fifth and sixth books where J.K. Rowling stopped actually releasing them every year. Um, no, actually, it was uh, – The still, seventh book came out, I think, what, our junior year of high school? Yeah, junior, senior year of high school. Yeah, yeah so it was still – Or no, sorry, 20, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been that long since the Harry Potter books stopped? Yeah. yeah. Point aside, point aside. Um, yeah. age, age aside. So uh, Harry Potter. I remember I was there's in There's a lot of people. Sure. There are a lot of people who I know, you know, people who think nerdy stuff is stupid. They're like, oh, why, why do you like that? That's that's weird. That's kind of weird. These are the same people who dress as Gryffindor students and went and saw the movies. Yeah. A lot of people became very okay with the idea of magic and wands and, you know, everybody wanted to go to Hogwarts and be a wizard or a witch as a kid, no matter what they wound up being. And still to this day, a lot of those people are still like, yo, would you go to Hogwarts? And they're like, yes, yes. I would take Hogwarts as a college education, I got to tell you. Um, Ten years, you know, ten years down the line. Students' severely compromised. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be concerned about their students' bill of rights. You know, barely a decade down the line, we have Stranger Things come out and it, you know, all these kids on this show are remarkably likable. They show a bunch of traits that are – we all inherently enjoy in people like – there's one who's very funny. There's one who's very serious. There's one who's just a fantastic leader. And they all, like, rely on each other and stuff. And they all play D&D. And it's just – it's even though there's not a whole ton of – like, the show isn't about D&D itself. For some reason, a lot of people are just like, yo, that D&D stuff looks like a lot of fun. I mean, at least at least for me, like, I've heard a lot of people, like, when they start talking about D&D, there's a big negative connotation between it. It's like the, the ultimate nerddom. It's it's the final frontier. No, we we being uh, nerds are from from a lot from some people's standpoint that I've talked to at least, and so getting uh, getting something like a like a Stranger Things that I've seen like social media has been blowing up about the release of season two, so having something as mainstream as that show D and D in a really positive connotation is nothing but amazing. Well, I mean, hobby. community before well, the last the, I mean the last bastion of D&D, shall we say, uh, <laughs> like there there's there's one step nerdier beyond us and that is larping. There will always <laughs> that is, be that LARPing. Is LARPing. Well, I mean, so, we can always make fun of them. For for those of, but but for those people that don't participate in tabletop RPGs, I don't think that a lot of them realize that oh, LARPing that is, is a thing unless they've actually seen role models. <laughs> Though I learned that LARPing was an actual thing because of role models, and when they showed up dressed up as Kiss, I was like, "Yo, I don't care how nerdy this stuff looks." I'm going to LARP one day dressed up as Kiss. I, mean, I have also, to get four friends together and then sing Beth. You know, the night somebody plays Satan a loot. service. Well, it's yeah. It's, it's an important thing as well. You know, it's imaginative play for children, and basically it's dressing up for younger children. When my brother was in, you know, fifth or sixth grade maybe, he and his friends would do that. And somehow his orc sword wound up in our garage, and it has been in my car for two and a half years, the, the whip that we take to this, yeah. to this studio. Right. You know, I mean, along with my, you know, snow brush and umbrella and tire iron, there's an orc sword. It's plastic. But. Ultimately, when I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear that I would be seen enjoying childish things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I don't think I've ever heard that put in a better way. Yeah. Honestly. I can't remember who that was. I think that was um doesn't matter. Uh, I know somebody's gonna correct me in the comments and tell me who that is, but that's not I'm afraid I'm 
a little unconcerned with who it is. That's a great quote. Uh, so when did you start playing D&D if oh, uh, man. you saw this thing as being the ultimate nerddom? Because being nerdy yeah, like, in, all, in all respects is popular. Now. Just like I said, I mean, I guess going, going a little bit more into detail about what I said during episode one was like, you know, like uh, – I was a pretty athletic kid. I'd been playing – I played baseball from T-ball up. I played football. I was a wrestler. Like I wasn't your stereotypical jock walking around picking on kids wearing a varsity jacket. <laughs> but I was I was very much caught up in athletics. Not caught up because I loved athletics. It was, it was cool. Um, but it then, is cool, honestly. But then yeah. I uh, – my buddy who I talked about in the first episode, his dad, I had heard that he had D&D and like I had always loved video games. And that was kind of the thing where I was like, okay, like if I love video games, then maybe, maybe this would be cool too. I'm gonna try it. But because I had so many friends that were athletes, like that was, oh man, no, you're a nerd. You're a nerd if you do that stuff. Um, but I mean, that was when I was like 12. Yeah. So you, you get a lot of kids saying stupid stuff when they're that age. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't care and just no. played D and D so- and loved it. When exactly did you get into D? Because this you you came from this place of well, I mean the ultimate high school jockdom, except you know. Well, no, the I started playing D and D in middle school. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. I started playing. I, I played my first game of D and D when I was like twelve, twelve or thirteen. <laughs> I can relate to that. I started mine when I was eleven, but that's not the point. Uh, yeah, um, I, I played in fourth grade yeah. for the first time. Wow. And well, no, but here's the thing though: like, I hated it. <laughs> it was well, like it was fourth or fifth grade. My cousin had just picked up the books, which, by the way, those books are now in my possession. I need <laughs> to give those back at some point. Um, I've, I borrowed them like over a decade ago just like – because I liked reading them. I liked reading like the monster manuals and yeah. stuff. I thought it was really cool. Um, but like I never looked at stat blocks because I'm like that's a lot of numbers. Yeah. And me and math have a very uh, tense relationship. Or sometimes we're okay, but most of the times we just scream at each other. Yeah. Um, but I remember playing the first time, and like I love the idea of being like I made it. I, I can barely remember him. He was like a dwarf ranger. I was dual wielding a hammer and a sickle <laughs> as a fourth grader, and I had no idea I had the fuck, the weapons yes, of the, yeah. I had the weapons of the people in my hands. <laughs> uh, it, it just you know. Like, I had the money, and I was like, oh, a sickle looks cool. Oh, a hammer looks cool. Yeah, little did I know I was actually playing communist ranger, you know. <laughs> brother, were your yeah. robes red is the question. When all are equal. They actually work because red's my favorite me- color. Oh, my God. You played a commie dwarf. I played a commie dwarf, and I had no idea. I actually didn't even realize. I, like, thinking about it, you know, trying to bring all the memories back, I actually did not realize that uh, communist proletariat brother dwarf, who's the name <laughs> I'm going to try to remember. Oh, God. <laughs> Was my did, first character. Did, did Captain America show up and like no. try to stop you in your commie ways? Or <laughs> no, no. Like this is how this is how, on that. You, you want me to tell you how far we got into my first game with my cousin? Because like we spent most of the afternoon making the sheet. And at first, when you're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make up a character. This is amazing," and you're having fun with it, right? Then you end up making a communist dwarf. No, and then you end up. This was third edition. This was yeah. This was three point five. Okay. Yeah, if, you were, if, you, if you were in fourth grade, this would have been around two thousand one. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was third. Yeah, no, it's third edition. Mm-hmm. Hard yeah, third edition. 2000, yeah, 2001, not even three point five. Three point five was two thousand three. I want to say. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um. So this was yeah fourth or fifth grade. So around two thousand and two, two thousand and one. Um. 
so we spent the afternoon making the sheet. Like yeah, I, we, I went over there after school. It took us about two hours to make the sheet because third edition rules. There's a lot of them, and to be fair, I did codify a lot of the second edition rules and something workable. But that doesn't mean it didn't have its problems, right? So we start like there's no adventure hook. There's no nothing. I am a communist dwarf. <laughs> Walking through the woods down a forest path, and fifteen giant wasps appear. Uh-oh. And at, at this point, I thought this game was actually a terrible game because, like, a anybody who knows me in D anD D, unless it's a combat that I'm like really like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin your day, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yep. like unless I'm really motivated to combat, I do not like combat in D anD D. And so suddenly I have to kill 15 wasps, which weren't 15. that – Yeah, giant wasps, which weren't that tough, but it was still just like – Holy – I did about four rounds of combat. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> let's let's go play video games. Yeah. Fast forward to a decade later, you offered when I was house-sitting for Teo, Paul, to run a game for us. I did. And I I had uh, – actually, no, I need to – we're going to – you know, we're going to rewind. I tried to play one more time with my cousin. They had a table group at lunch, but you know, I sat. I had a bunch of friends, you know, so I'd go to different lunch tables every day. Some people were playing Magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Some people were playing like chess and checkers. You know, some people were on the football team and stuff. You know, and like when we we're in sixth grade, so I was hanging out with a bunch of people. So I had made a character. I can't even remember what happened, but Lord of the Rings had just came out. They all loved it. I thought Lord of the Rings was a terrible movie. I still don't like Tolkien. That's my hot take. Uh, <sighs> Very unpopular opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very unpopular true. opinion. No, well, it's it. Trust me, it's me. It's not you. It's not. It's it's not you. It's me. It's me. I, I, there's just it drives okay. me crazy. I'll agree with you, Jake. There are many things I don't like about Tolkien, but I'm listening. He is still the grandpappy. He is. So I we owe him a lot. Yeah. So I like so you're, I sit you're down. Racist grandpappy. Yeah. You this say is, it so this was change. actually I do I must say though, quick hot second aside. I admire my cousin's commitment to this idea of running a daily 50-minute D&D session. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. At lunch. At lunch. Well, my cousin was the same age as me. So the idea would be, you you know, we've got like uh, 30 30 to 40 minutes at lunch and then like 10 minutes in between time after. Right, right. So hustle into the lunchroom. Get all of our stuff. Everybody get to the table. Break out your sheets. We're going to play D&D for about 40 minutes and then we're going to go back to class. Yeah. But me being me, I was like social butterfly. I'm going everywhere. I'm going to hang out with other people. So I was gone for about four sessions and my cousin in a fit of spite against me uh, killed my character and then brought me back as Gollum, (laughs) which I think also is maybe part of the reason why I can hate Lord of the Rings <laughs> is because I showed up and I was like, hey guys, I can't, again, I can't remember the character's name. I'm like, hey guys, so uh, what's what's up with so-and-so? Oh, you died, but then we tried to bring you back, but you're you're Smeagol now. And they were just like, hey, Smeagol, Smeagol. And like they said that to me a couple of times and I was like way tougher than everybody at that table. Like they were all like the skinny dorks and I'm like the bigger jockier cousin, so I'm just like, I want to murder all of them. And it scarred me from playing D&D for about a decade. Yeah. Uh. I remember you're still somewhat reluctant to get into it when I offered. So. Yeah, no, because I had flashbacks of just being like mocked by the nerds. <laughs> well, thankfully that game did not end like that. Uh, uh, okay, so really quick, we're going to take a fast break. Um, when we get take- back, we're going to discuss the uh, the Undead Warlord by Daniel North. Yeah, we're we've got a homebrew build to take a look at today. 
Um, and also, before we go on our break here, let's take a pause for the cause. Let's pay some bills. Uh, Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter, Michigan and Milan, Michigan. They are kindly enough to pay for us to do this right now. Um, stop in, buy some candy, buy some dice, buy some comics. If buy you're interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons, peruse their fine resources. Yeah, I mean, I know they've got a board for uh, for Dungeons and Dragons games ongoing. So yeah. they're looking yeah. for players. So if you want to try it out, go ahead and go check them out. Also, if you guys have any input on what you'd like to see us talk about, whether it be homebrew builds, uh, rules, topics, a- a- anything, topics. anything in general, hit us up in the comments, message us. We are more than happy to sit and talk about anything that Engage you would want to hear. Yeah, of course. And last but not least, if you could do us uh, the kind favor, we obviously have no money for marketing or anything like that. If you could like us, share us, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, send it to people who you know who like D&D, we'd really appreciate it. We're just, you know, the more people we can reach, the more people we can talk to and the more people we can bring on this show, then... Yeah, I, I mean, I think it works the more for everybody. Your entertainment will be. If you if you're entertained by us, just please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Three DMs Podcast on both mediums, and three spelled the old fashioned way, by the way. And you can listen to our show on where all podcasts are, except for Spotify. Apparently, oh. no Spotify. Sorry, sorry, Spotify. It's all right, the network. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back. See you in five to ten. Ish. Back. Thank you for your patience. So, one more time just to pay the bills. Um, Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan, Michigan, southeastern Michigan. If you're ever in that area, please go stop by, buy some dice, buy a book, buy some comics, buy some candy. We cannot thank them enough. They, yeah. They've done a lot for us, and uh, honestly, I would probably pitch them even if we weren't. Yeah, no, there it's it's just a good group of guys or a good group of people, I should say. And yeah, as I said in episode one, it's the backbone of what we do, man. Yes, it's it's the it's the best way to get into it is hanging around shops like that. Yeah, so your friendly local game store. Uh, Go ahead, Paul. uh, Our next segment, I suppose to say, is it's getting pretty close to Halloween, isn't it? So we're going to talk a bit about horror, spooky stuff, spooky (laughs) spooky. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is a hard game to do horror in, but thanks to uh, Daniel North, we have the Undead Warlord available on homebrewery.com. Um, also on the DMs Guild. This particular one is on the DMs Guild. You can get it for its pay at your own price. Um, you can get it for as much as you're willing to pay. But I, I gave him a dollar because, I mean, even if it's just one Warlock patron – he still had to work for. He still had to. Well, farm. there there is actually a lot of content in this packet, but let's mm-hmm. we're going to break this down really quick. That's an awesome website too. For just coming from a new new DM aspect, like I've I've pulled inspiration at least by looking stuff like yeah. that over because there's a ton of stuff on there I would never even think of doing. So, uh, a forewarning to those who are considering buying it: this is heavily inspired by Diablo II's Necromancer class, which I think is excellent because I love Diablo II. But some people which may d- not. Be. By the way, it does not come directly from Daniel himself. This is just what we've ascertained from reading over the class. Yes, uh, this is a warlock pact. So you choose it at first level, unlike most archetypes, and you do get to choose your own pact later. And there's a special pact here, but this is a class around summoning undead and inflicting curses and using bone magic. Uh, namely, one of the key features to this class is the ability to call up undead at 6th level. You can call up a number of undead equal to half your warlock level plus your uh, 
uh, plus your charisma bonus of skeletons and skeleton mages who are able to cast light cantrips. These aren't particularly tough creatures, of course, but they're 13 hit points, 13 AC. Uh, they can take a single hit for somebody and pretty effectively, and they do they have can take a couple attacks. of hits. You said yeah. that happens at sixth level? At sixth level, yes. So, I mean, at sixth level, let's, you have a plus, plus four, plus five to charisma. I mean, yeah, you're usually at that point, yeah. You're, you're conjuring up at least seven or eight of these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's eight hits that, that your necromancer, or in this case, uh, it's called the undead warlord, isn't taking. So, and much like the necromancer from Diablo 2, where I absolutely love this is this, this patron allows you to do what a lot of people who try to play necromancer builds in 5e or even in other editions of this game like they want to do like what they think of classically but they can't do because a lot of people do think of that diablo like and i'm just gonna pull a skeleton out of the dirt well it turns out unless you're a cleric you can't really conjure many good undead because anime dead's hard to get yeah it's a hard to use spell it doesn't give you a lot so this where i'm absolutely in love with this is yes this gives you the guy who can just pull skeletons up and just is like you know, like he's standing outside the bar. You know, I can see it now in my head. He's standing outside the bar. You had some words over for some reason. I'm going to presume that – You uh, knocked his, his skull-shaped chalice full of I'm, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to bet the rogue did something cheeky and not correct because Blame it's out. always the, the rogue. rogue's fault. It's always the rogue. Feeling that it's the barbarian, but – yeah. Or the bard's fault, but or uh, wizard. Rogues. I mean, rogues. when in doubt, blame the wizard. Future segment, by the way, the guys. <laughs> We're going to figure out whose fault it is. It's yes. never the paladin's fault. Never, never. The, never the paladin. Because they're good people. I've gotten or, away with literal okay, murder people. playing cleric. <laughs> <laughs> but beside the point, it's got. I wouldn't say all your old favorites because I'm noticing it's missing some of the poison spells. But it allows you to use the old throw uh, special magic nukes at people with an admittedly slightly underpowered bone spear evocation. Um, yes, which by the way cracks me up because I know what you're going like. What the idea of this spell is, which is some you know ominous looking long bone, you know, spear, obviously. But I always just think, like, cartoonish dog bone yeah. in my head. So it's just like, if that was me, I would just, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> You're throwing dog bones at people. Um, I want to know why the necromancer turned into Mario there. Yeah. <laughs> woohoo! Because <laughs> that's how I play my necromancer. Um, hey, man, you don't know what Dr. Mario got uh, his degree in. Another I said, Another, by the way, just as a quick aside, too. Not only are you just getting this uh, patron when you purchase this, you are getting a bunch of Homebrewed spells, which on first glance all actually look pretty solid. About 12, yeah. And I, I would say uh, all of them are pretty good, and I'd call them relatively balanced with the exception of Iron Maiden, which can quickly drop a dragon to its knees. Yeah, but that, that one can get out then of again, real quick. Now, for some trivia, Iron Maiden dropped uh, the single player of Diablo to its knees in hell. Like, you know, in yeah. Diablo 2 because it would break the game because, oh, you just hit yourself for 500 damage. Well, I guess that segues into the to, to the big the big question here when we're talking about this homebrew class. Would you guys allow your players to play this? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, no. Hate, I hate to be mean to Daniel, but this class is much more powerful than standard warlock uh, pacts and boons. And admittedly, the spells are available to everybody. But I feel like this is better off as either an extremely high power uh, game where everyone's running around with – ridiculous abilities you could give this to somebody or this is best as the hands of a villain because I feel like this would be best off as this is somebody who you need to deal with 
is this warlock raising undead to terrorize the Yeah, population. as not even necessarily – not even a bad person though either too. I could see ways to make this just – but a formidable NPC. Um, there's a lot of great imagery and a lot of the abilities, especially the way where it's like you can just summon a bunch of skeletons at the same time. That is a cool image. If you want to make your party poop your poop their pants, all you have to tell them is – this guy's summoning like six skeletons right now. Yeah, well, you know, in, in the dramatic DM voice, you stand across the field from him, and he just looks at you. Do we really want to do this? As the party draws their weapons, and he just goes, okay. And upon the snap of his fingers, eight skeletons crawl out of the dirt, and that's when the party goes, oh, God damn it!" <laughs> but on that note, horror. We're near Halloween. We shouldn't talk about just solely this. Scary things in Dungeons and Dragons and in other role playing games too. But really quick, just to finish up our final yeah, thoughts on the uh, undead warlord. Patron. Undead, yeah, undead warlord patron. I think the f- the flavor of this class is amazing. Yeah. So let's go through. Let's give it our. Uh, let's give it our being worked out rating system uh, uh, for players or NPCs. That's the question. Uh, this is well for We're anybody who buys this. For yeah. anybody who buys this. Which it's you should, by the way, because it's definitely it's, worth the fifty or seventy-five cents or whatever you want to pay him. I honestly, I think I'd. I don't regret. I it. would pay four dollars. I yeah. would pay four to five bucks. It's something really cool to have. It's a really cool set of abilities. Um, overall, out of ten on the three things that we find important, so for balance, is going to be its lowest score, sadly, because it is just incredibly powerful. Oh, yeah. It is incredibly powerful. This, like, if a player who is very, very capable with the game, if a player who is very capable with the game gets this in their hands, they can wreak havoc upon yes. whatever encounters you throw at them. Um, and so a, a very uncapable character, like a player who's just not that good with characters, they should be fine with this. But somebody who knows what they're doing... Yeah, and everybody else is going to become cheerleaders. So I'm going to give them a five. Yeah, don't even bother rolling initiative. Paul, uh, how do you feel about the actual mechanics of the class? How does it play? How how much fun does this look like to play? Uh, there are some clunky mechanics in here, but overall I feel this excellently translates how the necromancer worked in Diablo 2, and I feel like it'd be pretty fun to play, all things considered. I would give this somewhere between a six and a six. Let's go with a seven. Okay. Out of ten, obviously, we're not using the four-point rating scale. Where the only scores are six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So yeah, and Clint, flavor and fluff. Oh, because I feel like Calroll the Vile just became a undead warlord patron. <laughs> uh, well, my uh... don't you lie to me, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> now, now I can say it now that my players in my game know that they're dealing with a necromancer. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to change him up because I've already fleshed him out. Um, but as far as like flavor goes, oh yeah, I could have a lot of fun with that. Uh, flavor and fluff wise, I would probably give this at least a seven or an eight. Like okay. this is just a, this is just a really really cool thing to incorporate if you're trying to go for that really spooky necromancer bad guy. Yeah, so, so obviously it needs slight work, but the ideas are solid and the mechanics work out. It just needs to have its power reduced. All right, a little so bit. eight for you, Paul. What'd you get? Uh, about a seven. About a seven. So fifteen and. That puts us at a 19 overall. Uh, the balance is just a little off on this, but it is still a ridiculously fun-looking class. Um, yeah. I Everybody should go out and buy it. Anything, I guess the long and short of it is, if we're over 15, 
we give it our seal of approval. It's something that you should definitely have in your toolkit. It's something that you should worst be able to use. Worst. It's not that expensive, and you, I'm yeah. sure you can. And more importantly, supporting any content users you can. Oh yeah, is great. Content so, creators, yourselves being the content users. Yes. So, it, well, so with there's the an inter, interlocking net. Yes. yes. With the last few minutes, gentlemen. Let's let with all right. So here's 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 let's the question the, I threw out yesterday. Spooky stuff. Yeah, here's the question I threw out yesterday, and as to finish off our show for the day, you have one villain from horror or anything horror themed that you can use as the primary villain of an upcoming campaign. Not a terribly long campaign, but also not a very short campaign. Ten Let's games. Ten, ten games. Yeah. Ten games. Ten games. Okay. Who? Is the big bad evil dude of your world from any horror movie or anything that we could consider close to horror? The thing from the nineteen eighties version. Okay, it tell me why. It can be anyone. I mean, it can be anything. It can hide anywhere, and the only thing that can kill it is fire, and it can disguise itself perfectly as you, except for its blood. So a mass infection kind of a setting. Yes, and more than that, it, it instills paranoia in your players because. Was the person they're talking to just infected as well by this thing? That sounds like a lot of fun, but that also sounds like emotionally draining as hell when you're just like every five minutes, you're just like, so is this NPC infected now? Well, the best part is you can infect the players and not tell them. Exactly. Or you can infect the players and tell them and have them lead the rest of the party astray. It would be emotionally draining to be sure, but I think it'd be fun for a relatively short campaign. What about you, Jake? What would you use? Okay, I'm going to go full Kobayashi Maru on this. I'm going to cheat. All right. Skeleton Jack. You mean Jack the Skeleton? Oh, yeah, no. Skellington. Jack Skellington. Jack, ah, Jack Skellington. Skellington, right. Yeah, that was, that was supposed to be dramatic. I was, you know, reading it off as if you were reading a crime report. Um, here's why. Okay. Skeleton Jack. So in this, yes. So in this fantasy world that I've created in 20 seconds in my head, uh, Belief, you know, we'll we'll do a bit of a Dark Souls thing. Loving of the sun and of the fire and all the all that is good is, you know, is is what the people here believe, right? And after all, Halloween's initial idea of purging, you know, dark spirits and being a thing related to evil, you know, evil. Dark spirits be gone. Dark spirits be gone. Get out of here. We don't like you. In this world, they've gotten rid of dark spirits, and that is where the king of Halloween Town appears, coming out of the ground on a giant pumpkin from the patch and unleashing the horrors of the world. Because think about it. The great pumpkin, if you will. Yeah, the great pumpkin. pumpkin. I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, like just from the intro song, you get amazing, like, one-off villains. The clown with the tearaway face, you know, here in a flash and gone in a trace. He is the one in, you know, who whispers who's there, you know, the one who's the wind blowing through your hair, the shadow on the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. This is Halloween, bitch. Okay. You can run an amazing 10 sessions with just Jack Skellington's. Just the villains in that one musical yeah. number. And of course, Oogie Boogie. To yeah. Oogie Boogie that. there as, you know, another thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, and the three, uh, the three little demons, Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Oh, God, just the the fun you could have of just having like a normal setting, right, where suddenly you turn every single character from The Nightmare Before Christmas into a villain and you just loose them on the world. What about you, Clint? Lastly, just to kind of – just because we're short on time here to wrap it up real quick, I would definitely without a doubt take one of my favorite 
antagonist from horror movies that I've seen is the Bagul from Sinister. Ah. Mm. Dude, just just on the topic of the, the thing instilling paranoia and everything, like imagine imagine in this world that I've built, right? The the, the party attains a house. The Bagul lives in paintings. He lives in pictures. I mean, if they know the legend of a Bagul, a Bagul could be anywhere. And he only comes after you after you have moved out, after he's wreaked havoc on everyone. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, getting chased through paintings is pretty dangerous. I, I mean, you. yeah, like, it, but that's a, a campaign, that's, though. Like that, that for just for, you know, just as a quick thing, like uh, that that monster needs to like, I give me that, give me that monster. Yeah, I want to use that in an encounter. Oh yeah, but how would it tyrannize because the party for well, based on based on the sessions. based on the way that the movie was, he killed everyone except for one person, and he took them as a follower. Okay. Ah. If this is like a concurrent thing, like let's say it's, let's say it's a Call of Cthulhu type of game where players are dying left and right, the players that have died would now be fighting with him. One d four investigators per round. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like there's, I feel like there's just so much that you could do, and on top of that, like I know that there's a spell in the game that you can like basically mold into the wall. Like it gives, it could give use to some spells that generally don't get used by NPCs, and just have that creepy paranoia kind of feel. I think. Yeah. As opposed to the game Paranoia, which would be much more happy. Yes. But. <laughs> All right. And I believe that is our time for the day. So I'm Jake. I'm Clint. I'm Paul. Thanks for coming, guys. Again, check out Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan. Uh, share our videos. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. 3DM's podcast on both. And... Three spelled out with letters. Yeah, three spelled out with letters and the old fashioned with the number. Yeah, ye old fashioned way. Please read and review. Yes. Please read and review. Send us your send us your homebrews. Send us any content you want us to review. Read and review your and we will shout about anything you give us to shout about. We're desperate like that. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to what is probably going to be the lost episode. This is three DMs, and for the rest of the week, roll on. Roll on.